Welcome to Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host here at KPFT 90.1, Houston, Texas. Folks, how's everybody doing today? We are going to have a great, great, great show. But before we get started, I have something important to say. I have something important to sing. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Hey, it is what again? Happy birthday. 53rd anniversary of whom? KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. Folks, I got to give a big thank you to every single supporter of KPFT. You guys have kept us here so long. And we couldn't have done it without the community. And here is what we, in return, give back to the community. El Señor Rico is in the studio. The engineer extraordinaire. Que pasó, El Señor? What's going on, Rico? Uh, I didn't know we were celebrating a birthday today, so I'm glad I was able to make it. Yes, I mean, today is our birthday, man. Marzo primero, March 1st, is our birthday here at KPFT. 98.1 FM Houston. So, folks, um, you know, we've survived all this time, you know, so, you know, we're doing that 53 for 53 as, again. So, let's get busy and go to kpft.org and say, we love KPFT. Anyway, we got a great subject for you guys today. Today, we are, the title of the show is Our Enslaved Minds. Scoros, meaning Supreme Court of the United States, to likely screw students. It is easy to save and expand Social Security. Will we get to all those topics? I don't know. Will we get to at least one of those topics? Maybe. Because you know what? This show belongs to the community. This show is yours. Give us a call. 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. Bruce Pollard is on the KPFT chat line. And he says, we do love KPFT. Let me tell you something, Pollard. We love you, Senor Bruce. How are you doing today? And likewise to Jules Ray Winfield says, Happy birthday to KPFT. And we love you too, Brother John. Jules Ray Winfield. Thank you so kindly, my brother. Anyhow, folks, title of the show again, Our Enslaved Minds. Scotus to, to likely screw students. And again, Scotus being the Supreme Court of the United States. And it is easy to save and expand Social Security. Folks, give us a call. 713. 526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. You can start calling now if you want. If there's something that's burning on your mind that you said, I wanted to talk about this before you even get started, Egberto, do so as well. 713-526-5738. There was a caller uh, on Monday that asked me to get something, some information for him with regards to uh, Social Security. And I want to refer him to HCFAT, I think it's HCFAT.org. Let me pull it up and see if that, that's where I found, uh, home of HCFAT. You can go to, uh, to Healthcare for All Texas. It's at uh, healthcareforalltexas.org. Please go ahead and visit that site, sir. I, I can't recall your name at this point in time, but... All the information you need have been nicely organized at that site. Remember, you ask the questions. If we don't have the answer at that time, we go ahead and research it for you and find it all out. 713-526-5738. Again, that number 
5265738. Our enslaved minds are responsible for our current state. The Supreme Court intends to be a six-person autocracy as it's doing with student loan debt relief. And lastly but not least, saving Social Security is not difficult. In fact, saving Social Security is easy. Let nobody fool you. Let nobody let you think that, oh, these entitlements need to be reduced or else we won't be able to pay our bills. There are two schools of thoughts. There's the MMT school of thought, or uh, actually a bit more deeper than the MMT, um, um, monetary, uh, monetary theory. Uh, and the other one is that somehow we need some sort of austerity. None of that is a requirement at all. I, in fact, I have a student of money in, on, our online, on our online politics and rights show that gets upset at me because he thinks we're in a monetary system that really shouldn't have to be concerned about money. But that's another story for us to go through some other time. Anyway, Breaking Out of an Enslaved Mind is a, sub, is a subtitle of the first article that I wanted to discuss here. And this is what I wrote. And it's on, on, it's, it's on this morning's newsletter that goes out right before the show. It says, This morning, as I perused my different social media accounts, I came across a story that has so many meanings as it explains the current state that we are in today. A girl went to her class very, very happy. She was really happy as she entered her class because this is a class that she loved. The professor of that class has always been nice, showed a much concern for all the students. I mean, he was there for them, answering questions, backslapping. They love him. You know, it's like you have that teacher that everybody loves, that professor that everybody loves. On this particular day, the professor was in a bad mood, something uncharacteristic to him. He put all the desks in a circle surrounding his desk. And on his desk... There was a fishbowl with a goldfish in it. Now, as the kids sat down, he shouted to them as, as he never had before, that anyone who spoke out right now or, or beyond will fail the class today. Or that anybody who got out of their chair for any reason would also fail the class today. He then took the goldfish out of the fishbowl and dropped it on the desk. And then he hurriedly leave, left the classroom. Everybody in the class looked at each other with astonishment. Nobody said anything. Nobody spoke. Nobody did anything. This fish is slapping itself on the desk as it is trying to survive, trying to get some some moist, some, some, some oxygen into the gill that it's not designed to breathe air but pull air out of water. So this fish is dying. And these kids are sitting around. They're doing absolutely nothing. It's like they're paralyzed. They can't move because they're told not to move. They can't talk because they're told not to talk. They'll let that fish die because to save that fish means they'll have to get out of the chair, which means they'll move, which means they'll fail. One person in that class, una persona en esa sala, got up and said to hell with this. I am not going to let that 
die, that fish die. And she went, she picked up that fish, and she threw that fish into the water. Fish saved. The professor returned to the room with a simple comment. What have you allowed the system to do to you? What have you allowed the system to do to you? It was an experiment. It was an experiment. This explains how we have allowed our wealthy minority to rule us or build their wealth our, our, on our intellect. They built their wealth on our work. They built our wealth on our service as we were given pittance in return. You know, I, as I, again, like I said, this isn't my story. This is a story that just popped up on my, my TikTok account. By the way, everybody talking about TikTok and the Chinese trying to invade our privacy and all of that. That's all crap. Okay? TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, they all take your data. They all take your location info. And it doesn't have to be a foreign company. And a foreign company doesn't mean you any less harm than our good old other American company because they're all capitalist companies, whether Chinese or Americans, trying to do one thing, make a dollar on you. So the big hoopla about the Chinese company and TikTok is nothing more than companies wanting to get rid of one of their competitors. Okay? Don't fall for it. All of them are extracting your data, extracting your motions, extracting your movement, extracting everything. You don't get into that fight. With, with uh, oh, let's stop TikTok. Oh, let's stop Instagram. Uh, the truth of the matter is, all these guys are spying on you to learn what makes you tick to try to make you tick. But going back to the subject at hand, my dear brothers and sisters, when I saw that this morning, I said to myself, what an encapsulation of who we have become. Or maybe who we always were that ultimately needs to change. Maybe we, actually, I, I think the latter is more accurate. Who we have always been. And the fear has always been that we would smarten up. That we will start asking the questions. That we will start saying, why do we allow so the few to control the many? Why do we allow the few to take advantage of all our intellect service work. Why? Because we are frozen. We were told that Jeff Bezos earned what he had somehow magically, that somehow all these wealthy people deserve what they have. We were told that the system that made it happen for them that somehow it was its innate in their character that allowed them that wherewithal to be that wealthy. And then you ask the question, when you start to get smart, when you start to loosen that chain, when you become that woman who decided to let that fish live, when you become that woman who made that fish live, who said, I am not going to fall into the trap of hurting others for that which commanded me immorally. Right? You pick up that fish and you throw it into the fish tank. That is what 
whenever I do politics done right, when I, whenever I see other progressive programs on the airwaves that are not fearful of going against the grain and sometimes telling folks, not because we have always done things this way means it is the way that it should have been done or that we should do it. Again, let's remember something that is so very important. America was built by us. America was built by the common person. America was built by the slaves, by the Chinese who built the railroad across the continent, by the indigenous who taught many of the techniques to survive in this originally hostile land. All these were contributors to the building of America. And that a few monopolize on all the doings of everybody else. And that we have allowed that to continue decade after decade after decade after century after century after century. It's the results of an enslaved mindset. Was I ever of an enslaved mindset? Yes. Was my mind ever in chains? Yes. Or is my mind in chain Chains now or enslaved now? Absolutely not. I see the entire picture as wide as one can see. And one of the things I made the promise to do, I made the promise to do, was to tell everybody, number one, one of the first articles I wrote was, uh, middle class held hostage. That was the, my first viral piece, middle class held hostage. What did I mean by that? In as much as we do everything, we were the ones that always paid the price for everything. And one of the other articles was, assert your worth. Repeating, assert your worth. And sometimes it is difficult because it means that those who haven't yet gotten to the power within their minds, the enslaving of their minds to assert their worth, Sometimes the peer pressure of the majority who still have enslaved minds will have you cower from doing what you know is right. Breaking out of an enslaved mind is what's going to take for us to get the environmental movement really moving. It's what's going to take for us to get the criminal justice movement moving as it should, the social justice movement moving as it should, ensuring that we have a state that takes care of people, meaning health care for all, paid for by the state with all our contributing taxpayer money. My monetarist isn't going to like that statement, but he knows what I mean. That is when all of this changes. And I, over the weekend, a good friend and supporter of Politics Done Right came out and said, you know, in, in effect, he wanted to throw his hands up in the air. In effect, saying, you know, people can't change. He came to church. My, my daughter was honored at the church for, for her work as a bridge builder, even after having two strokes. And they honored her. It was, a, it was an impressive, impressive um, uh, ceremony they had for her at the church. So, you know, I'm a humanist, but I, my wife is a deacon in the church. And I said, you know what? I better, I, I, I must go. I support them at the church. Whenever, there's a, whenever I have to support them at the church. And I went to the church. And the sir, I love the pastor, by the way. He's 
uh, Pastor uh, Sloan of, uh, of The Loop, I think one of the pastors that lives up to what uh, they say a church is supposed to do, uh, why I love the guy so much, because he does work within the community and do all that he's supposed to do. But anyhow, and, and, and of course now, something new for me to love him about. He honored my daughter. But um, we were sitting in church with some of the guests, some of the family that came to support my daughter. And he said he was listening to the preacher. And some of what the, most of the, the guest preacher, much of what the guest preacher said was right and inspiring. But one of the things that the, the guest preacher spoke about faith and working on faith and not having to see proof and, and that sort of stuff, he turned to me and he said, Egberto, that's the problem. How do we get the American citizenry, and for that matter, the world citizenry, how do we get them to stop just taking things on faith because they like somebody or trust somebody and start taking things not on faith but on facts? To which I told him, I don't ever expect folks to change from having a certain revere for faith. What I expect us to do is make sure that those they have faith in leads them appropriately, accordingly, not to a path of their personal destruction, their personal impoverishment, but to a better place for us all. We can't change human nature in its totality, but we can change human nature sufficiently. In other words, don't expect the perfect out of humanity because we, none of us are perfect, but expect that we can, we can not yearn, but we can, we can show people how to elect people that have their best interests at hand. And that's the first topic of the day, unenslaving one's mind unenslaving one's mind. Do you agree with me? Do you have anything to add? 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. I would love to hear anybody who has any comments on that particular topic. 713-526-5738. I beg of you not to wait till the end of the program to call in. I would love to hear from you now. 713-526-5738. It is imperative if we are to be uh, in, in, in a system that is uh, what I always called, uh, uh, what's it? I forgot, you know, sometimes I'm speaking about a word and I can see the word. I just can't reach the word to say the word to say the word. But anyhow, 713-526-5738. And the lines are starting to come alive. Let's go ahead and go to line number one. Let's go to line number one and talk about empowerment. Come on in, Teresa. Uh, let's see. I think you're going to be in right now. Come on in. Teresa, you're on. Hi. I just... I just Nimitz High School. We registered like a not just a job pair. They had a lot of the seniors there. I think their graduating class is like around six hundred. Great. So I think we registered about I think we registered about a hundred people to vote. Are you serious? And 
Yes, I'm serious. That is a that, lot that's of... When they're, wow. In, in the state of Texas, you can register to vote at 17 and 10 months. So if you're, you know, going to be 18 by May 1st, then you can get registered to vote today. And um, I was also registering voters in a in a classroom uh, earlier, uh, it was last week, last Friday or Thursday. Anyway, that was very exciting. And I couldn't... Everybody seemed to imply that they were already registered. Uh-huh. It was when the teacher said something to the effect that he said, "Oh, you know, there's gonna there's gonna be something coming up in the ballot on the ballot on your ballot next year, and have to do about how much marijuana you could have on yourself and not go to jail and not be arrested." Right. Well, he said that, and seven people raised their hand, and now they wanted to register to vote. You know, people are not aware how much power there is at the polling place. Well, let me me stop you a second there, Teresa. Teresa, (laughs) I want to stop you a second Mm -hmm. to say this first of all. I want to thank you for what you're doing out there. That is what we need. That's what we call community engagement, and that is how we actually get things done. So thanks for doing that. Well, let me say this. Um, I was also in the courtyard, and I saw two young people and, a, and an older man talking to them. Mm-hmm. And I went up to them, and I said, oh, do, uh, do you want to register to vote? And the, the older man immediately said, oh, well, old crooks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're all just crooks. They're all just crooks. No. And I said, you know, they need to get registered to vote. And in about five minutes later, this older man said, oh, I always vote. And I said, well, do you realize that when you made a statement like that, you kind of imply that, you know, that they're getting into something that's, you know, a bad experience. Right. Uh, when you made a statement like that, and it discourages them from getting exactly. uh, registered to vote. Exactly. And, and that's happened to me several times where a person makes a statement like that, and then you, and then they say, "Oh, and I always vote." But yeah. their statement originally is like discouraging to the person. Well, <laughs> Teresa, that is the reason why we need I folks think. out there like you pushing back on when that occurs. So, look, I got some other calls. Is there anything else you want to say, Teresa, before we go to the other call? I just want to say, you know, engage people in these conversations, especially issues that are important to you and you think that will impact their life. And encourage them to go vote. You know, take a bunch of people with you and encourage other people to vote. Say, hey, I'll I'll drive you to the polls. I'll babysit. Go to the polls. You know, what can I do to help you, you know, actually get registered and then vote? Because in 2016, 55% of the people in Harris County didn't even vote. 23 of them, 23% were not registered. 32% were registered but didn't vote. We need to change that. And I that's think what, it, would, it would be better for everybody. That's what we're all doing here. Teresa, thank you so kindly for calling. Thank you for what you're doing out there. Keep doing that great work. Folks, Teresa, one of our templates of what we need to do in community. You have a wonderful day, Teresa. Thank you. All right, let's go ahead. Karen, line two. Come on, Karen, how are you doing? Yes, I'm doing good, big man. How about you? I am doing fine. I hear, hey, look, man, I hear that accent from my part of the world, man. My, my West Indian yeah. brother, talk to me. Yeah, man, yeah, man, yeah, man. Well, you know, I just want to say that the same topic you touched on now. Yes. Bob Marley, uh, the Honorable Bob Marley, he already said it. 
It's a emancipate yourself from mental slavery. You remember that? I love none, that song. Emancipate yourself from mental slavery. Still. None but yes, our mind man. can kill our mind. Yes. Hey, I have no faith for age. So, you know. That was great. See, that was see, boss, I see, Karen. I see it here a whole lot in America. We are a lot of our people, especially black people. Mm-hmm. A lot of them still living in mental slavery, man. But wait, wait, Karen, I want to correct you. Karen, I want to correct you right there, okay? Yes, that sir. It's a myth that it's, it's just one group of us that are living in mental slavery. It is America, most middle-class America, most poor America, irrespective yeah. of race, creed, or whatever. Right. It's just that we, the, we are in the different sections of that, that chain, if you will. But continue, my brother. I think, uh, yes, we are going with it. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. But, you know, I'm just saying, since that the black people were enslaved, you know, mm-hmm. so even though us as slaves was free, a lot of people still enslave themselves yes. because they don't see themselves beyond certain point. Mm-hmm. So, see it without works, can't put you nowhere, man. Exactly. And when the man tell me, say, him grandmother poor. Right. And five generations of poverty in America. Right. Yeah, I'm doing body, man. Yes. Now, you know, I, I do a lot of travel all over the country for a lot. And John, I'm coming to you next uh, through, throughout the country to go to several progressive conferences and some conservative conferences as well, right? Or, or uh, I should yeah. be more honest, it's more like um, my, middle of the ground type conferences. Um, right. You know, yeah. I pass through a lot of these areas and it's like yeah. Amer- wait, what America see on TV is not America. Yeah. What no, America see on TV is not some, America. Yeah, yeah. I've seen some, I'm sorry to cut I've seen some poor white people in America in Kentucky, Catholic, and I never knew I would see that. Right, you so don't, I mean. some poor white people in America too. So white and black is seeing them. Yes. You know, and I get that. I get that, you know, right. I get that, you know. It's right across the board, but, you know. There's an orchestrated reason why that isn't shown. I, I always say whenever we unite, I use this phrase, Karen, whenever we unite the ghettos, it's a, it's a, it's a, first of all, let me just tell everybody that's listening. I know it's a stereotype, but it's a stereotype that reveals. Whenever we unite the ghettos, the barrios, and Appalachia, we are going mm-hmm. to win the battle. In effect, we're saying mm-hmm. when we, whenever all of us in the same class, meaning whether you're white, black, brown, Asian, a native, no matter who you are, when we really see the commonality we have among each other, then we would have beaten the plutocracy. You, go ahead, sir. I know you need to go. I have a quick question. Yes. What do you consider? How much cash you need in America now today? Middle class. How much you got to work? Middle class, it's a hard number and it all depends on where you live. I mean, in Kentucky, you could be middle class at 65, 70. Yeah. But in Houston, you need over 100 grand. I mean, no, I'm saying, I'm talking about your network. You yeah. have to have about a million, a, a million, no, to consider yourself a um, um, middle class in America. Yeah, but you know, more than 80%, huh? Karen, more than 80% of Americans don't have, yeah. if, they, they, if they have a $400 bill, it puts them in a hole. 80% I mean, of Americans. What I'm saying, though, the millionaire now in America, the man who have in one million now at him at the new right. middle class in America. Yes. He's the new middle class. You got it, He's the new middle class. 
Yeah, okay, Karen. Look, I appreciate your call, my brother. I appreciate you. Have a good one, and you keep listening, keep calling. Hey, but Karen, before you go, remember to yeah. tell folks about KPFT. We are growing the station yeah, again. Man, man. Grow the station, okay? Thank you, my brother. You have a wonderful day, sir. <laughs> Thank you, sir. All right, let's go to John. John, come on in. How are you doing today, sir? Hello, my friend. Uh, regarding faith in society or faith in the ruling class, yes, I, I think that faith is a certainty on what you don't see. Yes. So Christians or people of faith uh, believe in what they don't see. Their exactly. God, Jesus Christ, whatever. I I agree that you can have faith in your God mm -hmm. as a religion, mm -hmm. but you cannot have faith in anything else. Like everything else has to be proven. Okay. So everything that whoever, government, companies, society members, whatever they are doing is, is there to be thought and to be critic and critical thinking is something we have to be doing every second of our life. I agree 100% with you except for one thing, John. And that is, if yeah. you're if you're a Christian, I, my, okay. Let, let's I can I, let me personalize this so people don't think I'm just pulling crap out of the air. I I started out my life as a you know I'm from Panama, so I was a Catholic. Then we moved on to being a Baptist. Then I came to the United States and joined the Maranatha churches, and I became a Maranatha you know a person that was a new new faith Christian. Christianism, and then I—the only reason I left the church was when I found out, I, you know—and I, then I read the, whole, the entire New Testament that I was marching on campus for um, trying to get the University of Texas to divest from South Africa when it was still an apartheid regime. And I went to my pastor and I said, "Hey, I want uh, our group to march with us on campus." And he said, "Egberto, that's a nice thing." And da 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 da. And after going into a long conversation, he said, "You know, Jesus never spoke out against slavery." And by God, I read the entire New Testament, and he was absolutely right. And that's when I left religion. I'm not telling anybody to leave religion or anything like that. But what I'm saying, the reason I became a humanist was I felt I had more in common with humans on a human scale than on a religious scale. But that said. That said, yeah, 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 but okay, but that that's part that's part of your freedom. I mean, you're exactly. free to believe or not believe no, no, in but God or whatever name you you're want so to give right. to your God. You are so or right. You don't want to have a God at all. You're so but right. If you decide to be a person of faith, yes, it, it is that you decided that you are going to have one entity. Mm -hmm. It's called Jesus Christ or uh -huh. Mahoma or whoever mm -hmm. that you decide this is my God and I don't challenge what mm -hmm. God thinks or says of it. He exists. I believe without the need of approval. Yes. But every everything else has to be proven. Let me ask you a so, question though, John. Una pregunta. And this, this is an yes. important question because that is what my friend who was in church with me, that's where we where the issue was. He said, the people who have this faith in this one deity that you speak about, that it's, that it's okay for that, he said, that carries over to everything else. And if you look at, let's say, the Fox News viewer or the MSNBC viewer, my friend at this point in our history, I think is right. Yeah, but, but that's wrong. I mean, that, I mean when you, in that case, 
for example, if you are, if you think that Fox is your God, it means that you believe whatever Fox says. Yes. And you don't critique, you don't think, you don't analyze. I agree. You are giving, you're giving that channel the position of faith. It yes. means you don't challenge that. Right. And, and that's wrong. And that's I agree wrong with you. Every human organization is, has an agenda and that, that organization is going to push their agenda. And, and, it, and you have to see, like, like the Matrix movie, everything mm -hmm. is serious and one dream. Everybody has an agenda and you have to see behind what they're saying. And now, now here's the, a deal. The agenda is there. Here's a deal. The portray, the people who promote religion and God as it is right now have their agenda as well. The evangelicals have their agenda, their agenda to stop, let's say, uh, stop abortion, their agenda to stop women from serving on the pulpit. I mean, the, the Hasselback Church in, 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 uh, in California, very popular church, was just kicked out because they allowed women to serve. So, I mean, it's all very, that part, first of all, I agree with you that we need to have more fact than faith in all the other things. Religion, I've learned because, again, my wife is a deacon, my daughter's a Christian, and my wife is a Christian. I've learned to just be a part of it where I need to be. But I think um, wh whenever we say when it comes to religion, that's an exception. The exception to that is allow is the evangelicals that doing what they're doing. So, you know, I don't know. But, but just, just adding to this. Yes. The church is not Jesus. The church is not the God. Okay. The one you have faith is in the God. Okay. The, the church is, is a human organization trying to interpret what they think that God wants. Yeah. So in, in that, that's the starting level that you have to be critical on. Is your church is actually the only entity that you, I, I you know, think that people could have faith mm -hmm. is a God. Yeah. Because well, it comes to their belief, it's a religion stuff, I don't mess with that. If you want to believe in God, great. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that your pastor could be a bad person. Yeah. It, no, it, I love my pastor. Well, I call him my pastor, but it's my wife's No, no, it, it, was, it was an example. Oh, okay, not, okay. Not a, okay. Yeah, yeah, a general example. I mean, even the pastor of, of a church, the el, del cura, the priest, whoever, claro, yo, yo is a human. Yes. So, okay, that was my, my interpretation of what you say. I, I, yes, um, the society has their agenda and companies and corporations and even politicians, they not always are going for your interest. Exactly. So and that's all of us citizens have to be alert. Hey. And I, I want to add something else. Yes, sir. Right now, what you said, social media, all the content we are living, we're trying, like humanity is moving to a virtual world. Yes. In this world, they are disconnected to reality and they are connected to this I mean, the meta situation with everything is fake. Right. So that drives you outside the alert condition. Now you are like a stupid living in, disconnected with reality. Mm -hmm. So that's another threat. I mean, like people is, is escaping from reality to social media, and that makes the society more stupid and more easy to manipulate. Well, what and I'm trying... What I hope to do, John, and this is the reason I had it as my first subject, how to break out of an enslaved mind, 
Um, and I know you. I know how you look. You use social media, and social media doesn't fool you. You're a very smart person. You're an alert person, and you're very. Even though we may have some differences economically, you think for yourself, etc. That is what I would hope everybody. That that's what I, when I talk about on enslaving the mind, that's what I'm talking about with the the piece that I just did. And I, I agree. My and friend. I think I you agree. fit. And you fit the bill. And the people who Teresa fit the bill, she's out there doing her work, and and uh, the other person that called me. See, I'm getting old. I can't even remember the other person that called me his name right now. But anyway, so I, I, I just wanted to highlight that it's not only the powerful. Yeah. Because yes, I do believe that the powerful has the agenda, and you need to be, you know. No, you're right. Like, hey, look, I want to. Uh, you you but, you but open the door. This, John, this, you open the this door. Social media thing is another entity of power. That is, is, is driving people yeah. from, from uh, being a critical citizen yes. to be a, a member of the mass that doesn't think. Yeah. Well, look, and, uh, yeah. mira, Imar, me tengo que ir a con, con el segu, la segunda tema ahora, así que I have to go to the second topic now. So, hey, you notice how I'm doing that stuff? Uh, and, and happy birth, happy birthday to KPFT. To, what took uh, you so long to tell us happy you. birthday, John? Sorry, I forgot. I forgot, but thank you for Look, your work. Hey, thank have you. a great day, my friend. Okay? You have a great day. You as well. Claro. Muchas gracias por llamar. 713-526-5738. Lines are open now, but we're going to the second subject. Student loan forgiveness on the line. And here it goes. Welcome aboard May Wood on the internet. Great to be here. Notice said wasi. Wasi? Really? I got to check what the notice said, man. All right. The Supreme Court has turned into a six-person autocracy that is there to protect the wealthy and the wants of corporations. It is now the arm of the Republican and neoliberal minority. I have written several articles detailing how Republican and neoliberal policies would remain because of the powers that be concentrated in the non-democratic branch of our government, the courts. The Supreme Court seems to be on a path to blocking President Biden's legal right given to him by congressional statute to provide relief to students. The New York Times reported the following. The Supreme Court's conservative majority seemed deeply skeptical on Tuesday of the legality of the Biden administration's plan to wipe out more than $400 billion in student debt heightened the prospects that the justices would thwart, thwart efforts to forgive the loans of tens of millions of borrowers. Chief Justice John G. Roberts Jr. indicated that the administration had acted without sufficiently explicit congressional authorization to undertake one of the most ambitious and expensive executive actions in the nation's history, violating separation of powers principles. Are you kidding me? That's not separation of powers principles, but I'll tell you why later. I think, most are, are, I think most casual observers would say, the Chief Justice said, that if you are going to give that much money away, if you are going to affect the obligations of that many Americans on a subject that's of great controversy, they would think that's something for Congress to act on. This is the same Chief Justice that had no problem taking away women's right to their own bodies... Even though more than 70% of women in this, no, 70% of people in this country, more than 80% of women in this country don't want their 
rights to their bodies removed. This judge had the nerve to say that. He had the nerve to say obligations of that Americans on subject to of controversy, they would think that's something for Congress to act on. Come on, hermano. Come on. The court's three liberal members said Congress had already acted by passing a law in 2003 that authorizes Secretary of Education to address emergencies. Congress could not have made this much more clear, Justice Elena Kagan said, adding, we deal with congressional statutes every day that are really confusing. This one is not. The president has emergency powers, and I'm re- this is not in the article, I'm repeating this. The president was given emergency powers by Congress. Guess what COVID was? Emergency. COVID took away the entire economy. COVID put people in dire straits. That was an economic emergency. By the end of, of about three and a half hours of arguments, in two separate cases, the court's conservative majority seemed likely to dash the hopes of the 26 million borrowers who have already applied for loan relief, including millions who have received approval. If the administration is to prevail, it would probably be on the grounds that one of the plaintiffs in the two cases had established standing to sue. In other words, they're going to say the plaintiffs who are putting this case forward did not have standing. It would be a technicality. But that seems like the only way President Biden is going to get that loan relief. If somehow these judges say they didn't have standing. But... That outcome did not seem likely either, according to the New York Times article. Now, here's what I have to say about that. How comes there is never a complaint when our government bails out corporations with our tax dollars? Remember 2008? Remember they passed a law that allowed uh, some amount of dollars to go to the bankers, but then we had something that the Fed Reserve did called quantitative easing, which just threw trillions, not billions, trillions of dollars into the economy to prop up these businesses. You didn't see anybody complaining about that. The average middle-class person, while they were inflating the money, they didn't get a chance to say, no, we are going to go to the Supreme Court and say, you cannot do quantitative easing that's going to benefit Morgan Stanley, that's going to benefit all these big bankers. They never said that. But here we have kids that are going to school and adults that, are, that, have, that have these bills that have paid it over and over again on, int- on predatory interest rates. And not only predatory interest rates, but just because they can't afford it because... We've told them you need an education. And then they borrow to get an education. And people say, well, what about those people who didn't take advantage of it? Well, what about those people who don't drive the freeways in Oregon? They're still paying for those interstates in Oregon. Texans are still paying for the interstates in Oregon and Maine and Vermont and Missouri and Kansas. We don't, we don't get any benefit from that, but we're still paying for it. So don't, don't try to say that because some people chose not to get a loan to go to college, or some people did pay their loans back. Look, I paid 100% of my loans back, and I still want student forgiveness for those people who don't have the wherewithal to pay it off now. It's called humanity. It's called morality. It's called thinking about your fellow person, fellow man, fellow woman. There's nothing wrong about others getting help that maybe you hadn't. You want to talk about what about 
What about paying some reparations for all the free labor given to those bankers who were then afforded based on that free labor to make money off of the backs of others? You really want to go down that road, uh, Supreme Court? Do you really want to go down that road as far as who paid and who aren't getting what is deserved by them and who are, who's taking advantage of whom? Do you really want to go down that road? Because we could. We could. They don't pay U.S. Look, we have a, no problem helping Ukraine. They just, in, in one year alone, they've gotten over $100 billion of your taxpayer money. Is that money well spent? Yes, I think it is. I want Ukraine to get support to prevent some invading country. It's not like I have some love for Ukraine. I don't. But I'm happy that Ukraine is not going to allow or that we are not going to allow any particular country to invade another country indiscriminately and take away their borders. But you know what? Ukraine doesn't pay U.S. paid taxes at all. Do you have any complaints about that, you know, somehow the Defense Department is going to get all this money and we won't? I don't think so. The conservative justices are moving out of their lanes. When they say it is not fair to those who did not take our loans, those who could not get loans, or those who found some manner to go without loans at all, they miss the point. It is not in their purpose, in their purview to discern that. Congress gave the president the authority, and I have a link within my document where that authority is to do it. And if there is any doubt, most in Congress polls support the president's action. So when you say as if uh, Congress would not have approved it, yes, they would. We need the relief now. We need the relief for our students now. It's about time. Tori, come on in on line number one. Come on in, Tori, on line number one. How are you doing, sir? Good. I think one of the bad things, the way things are being framed around student loans and for forgiveness, is that uh, schools in general, for you know, decades now, have been thought of as job training programs. Well, there's a lot more value to education being job training programs. We need education just for education's sake. We need educated uh, people, citizens, just to have a functioning democracy. I agree. And uh, so, you know, we need to subsidize education. You know, like every other democracy in the world that's, you know, industrialized democracy. Even Brazil pays for people. folks that uh, uh, folks educate college education. Brazil, supposedly a second world country, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, the way it's being framed, oh, well, you know, somebody's going to go out and start their own business after high school, you know, lawn service or being a plumber or whatever, and, you know, they didn't take out the loans, so why should they have to pay? Well, you know, they need to go to school for free for four years, too, before they become a lawn care uh, service or before they become a plumber, just so they can be educated in just because that's a value in and of itself. Absolutely. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a job training, and it shouldn't be put in terms of job training. We shouldn't put so much emphasis in that because we need altruistic education. You know, it's a universal, you know, it's almost a spiritual thing. I agree 100%, Tori. Hey, by the way, Tori, uh, you gave us a, a great poem on Monday that, that, uh, <laughs> that I really loved. And I, last night, late at, actually it was early this morning, I got it completed into a blog, and I took that video of you saying the poem, which I loved, and evidently people love it as well. I hope you saw the link that I emailed to you, 
with you oh, yeah, yeah, as I the did. star. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Great. Just yeah, want yeah. to make sure. Well, I got a million of them, as Jimmy Durante used to say. <laughs> anyway, brother, anything else you want to add before I go to the third subject that I'm only going to have about 10 minutes to talk about? Uh, just one message. Go. Uh, aim high, throw hard. That's it. There you go, brother. Thank you so kindly for All calling right. in. All right, folks. I hope you got the student loan question. Remember, the president does have authority. Go to my blog uh, the, the, and to find that, uh, to find a newsletter, or rather go to the newsletter, I have the link that shows the governing authority that the president has from Congress, more so than many things that the Supreme Court had overturned. It is there. If they overturn it, it's an ideological fraud. And I want all of you out there who are students who would have gotten student loan. It doesn't matter if you are Republican or Democrat. This is hurting your bottom line. Don't let ideology cause these guys to take your worth, your wealth away. And if you don't get the fed, if you don't get the student loan rate, look, there's a lot that we need to do with education. We need to make sure that we have pay it forward education. I want everybody to go to undergrad for free. It's not really for free. It's paid forward education because you go to undergrad, you're going to make so much more money that when we'll collect that much more money in taxes to fund the next generation. But you know, they don't really want an intelligent people. They want you dumb. So we, we, they want you dumb because a dumb person will not unchain their minds as we spoke about in the first topic. Anyway, third topic of the day, the easy solution to social security. A recent article by Richard Escau was on point. This article's title and subtitle say it all. A simple choice, social security or billionaire greed. Any politician who expresses concern about social security finances without being willing to tax the rich is a phony. Nothing but a phony. That's the subtitle of the, 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 the guy's article. And I'll read a part of his article that I can before we have to go into some more. By the way, Bridge MCP says not on YouTube and this clip is 10 minutes oh wow i didn't uh i didn't realize that we weren't flowing to youtube i hope it cleans itself up but i see bruce on youtube so it must be there anyhow let's continue real quickly and it goes like this like like i'm going to read this one fast like they used to say in the old neighborhood some things ain't complicated if your senator or representative won't tax wealthy to protect the expand social security then they care about uh, they don't care about america 7.720 then they care about more about 728 billionaires than they do about the 66 million children, disabled and older people currently receiving benefits, or the many people that will follow them. They don't deserve to stay in office if they can't represent their own people. Social Security is a vast, highly, a vast, highly successful program uh, that makes it sound and complicated. It's not, it's not, it's not. It was built on simple moral and operational principles. Among them was universality, the idea that the program should include everyone and the notion that everyone should pay their fair share. Unfortunately, the billionaires and billionaires plundering the economy aren't pitching in the way they should. That makes a choice for our elected simple. Are you going to make the wealthy step up? Or are you going to hide behind word salad speeches and sleight of hand legislation? One thing is clear. Any politician who expresses concern about social security finances without being willing to tax rich is a phony. Nothing but a phony. We look in so uh, uh, we are looking at you, Brother Mitt Romney. The commission that worked on Social Security finances in 1980 raised the cap on the Social Security tax to, uh, with the expectation to capture 90% of the income earned in this country. As Linda Benich notes, however, rising income inequality has caused the number to plummet. As the February 28, 2023, a person making a million dollars per year has finished paying it 
uh, Social Security for the year. I calculated that figure for Jeff Bezos once. He was paying his fair share 28 seconds into the new year. So by the time 28 seconds or into the new year, he was done paying his Social Security tax. Pennies, right? Unslaving our minds now, removing our mental chains would give us the ability to elect those who would create the correct tax and policies that are fair to us all. Tax every single dollar, whether it's be income we define as wage income or capital gains, which is also income. Just specify differently to empower a few. Let's go to Dennis on line numero uno. Dennis, we have a couple of minutes. Talk to me, Dennis. Yes, sir. Egberto, how are you? I am doing, doing fine, sir. I'm going to make a couple of quick points. I know you're running low on time. Yes, sir. By the way, I didn't I didn't know you were from uh, Panama. Uh, 50 years ago, I went to school with uh, one of the Arias nephews. Uh, you're probably familiar with the Arias I'm talking about. Yeah, the Arias. Ar Arnulfo Arias, yes. Arnulfo. But anyway, on the on the subject of uh, uh, student loan forgiveness, mm -hmm. you know, being the age that I am, like I just stated, I started high school 50 years ago, it seems like the cost of college and possibly uh, bank interest rates were considerably lower. Yes, they were. You know, uh, 50 years ago, 40 years ago, yes, 30 they were. years ago. I'm not really sure. And I'd like to see maybe a graph of, of the rise of the cost of higher education, as well as, you know, the uh, percentage rates of, of a loan. And I hear my contemporaries say, well, they don't need uh, relief because I paid mine off and all that. A lot of these people don't realize that the numbers were vastly different. Yes. As far as what the cost was and that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. And Let me take one minute to answer you, Dennis, yes, because this is important, yes. right? They forget, to tell, they forget to tell you this. They forget to tell you that as we went on in years with all these tax-cutting uh, fraud that we've had over the years, we have, the states have given less and less per, per capita to the students, which means the students had to pay a larger share, whereas it used to be corporations getting taxed as they should for education since we're educating people to work for these corporations. So they forget to tell you that. The second thing they forget to tell you is that uh, loan officers, uh, uh, loans are always a magical thing so that we don't have to pay you more even as inflation goes up. And the reason that we don't have to pay you more is, hey, we give you easy credit. You can go pay for your own education that somebody else is going to profit from your education. But Dennis, I got to go. Call me again on Friday. You know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I got one more call to take that right, I want right. to take beforehand. Okay, you brother? Got it, Thank you so kindly, right, Dennis. Good talking to you. All right. Bye. Let's go to Mike real quickly. Mike, come on in. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I, you know, the guys they were complaining about, oh, I paid mine, why can't they pay yours? Right. I went to, I went to college in the late 70s, and uh, the comprehensive fee, it was a good Midwestern liberal arts college up right. in Minnesota, $6,000. today's In today's money, that would be $25,000 mm -hmm. uh, adjusted for inflation. That same school costs $75,000 a year. That's the magic now. right there. You just answered That's all you got to do is, yeah, all you got to do is do the math. Let, Mike, let me tell you something, and this is very important. We have to start, we have to take it on all levels. And by the way, when I came to the United States, in-state tuition in Texas was $4 an hour. Out-of-state, which is what I paid, foreign tuition was $40 an hour. My daughter went to my same university 30 years later, and you know what? She pays over that, over my highest rate in real dollars as, the, as a foreigner. So think about it. 
that's what nobody tells you. And it's not only that, that, uh, that universities are costing more for the sake of costing more. They're costing more because the state has taken away a whole bunch of monies from them by, by undertaxing corporations. But I got to go, Mike, uh, to close the show down. Anything else do you want to say real quick in about 10 seconds? No, that's fine, boss. Hey, tax the rich. It's time to pay. They pay their fair share. Thank you, Thank my you. brother. You have a wonderful day. Uh, how much time do I get? I think I got about, uh, let's see. Don't, don't, don't take that call. Yeah, take it. All right, come on in. Uh, uh, real quick, sir, I got about 30 seconds. That's beautiful because I was just going to say what is fundamentally wrong with funding our children's future, America's future. That just doesn't make you sense are a, at all. What's your name, sir? Jesse. Jesse, you are a genius. You hear me? That you, that's all you needed to say. You're a genius. And we'll talk another time when I have more time. All right, Jesse? Yes, sir. Thank you, my brother. All right, folks. Uh, how much time do I have, Rico? Let's see. I got one minute. One minute. Okay. He, he told me I got one more minute to say this. Folks, I hope you listen to the show. It will be in podcast. You can get it at kpft.org or politicsandright.com. Now, let me tell you something that is very, very important. Remember, that the main topic that I took on first today was unenslaving our minds. We have to change our mindset. We have to start thinking for ourselves and not what has been imprinted in us ever from, the, from our beginnings. The Powell Manifesto has destroyed our educational system. And guys like DeSantis and all these guys talking about wokeness and all this crap, they are further killing this society. Bridge MCP, welcome to, to, to Politics and Right online as well. So folks, I need to get out of here. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics and Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.